Welcome to the Living Rock Podcast. We're so glad that you're joining us to listen to this message. Whoever you are and wherever you're listening from, we trust that you'll be equipped, envisioned and encouraged as you listen today. excited I am to bring the word to you today because what God has been teaching us already in the worship this morning is exactly what he's been talking to me about for several weeks and what I have to bring I believe will build on what we've been experiencing this morning and what revelation God has brought us. Um, So I want to tell you today that the title of my word that God has given me is called Are We Willing to Waste or Are We Going to Count the Cost? And it's based in Mark 14 so it's continuing our marked theme So can I ask you to turn to Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 9. Okay, I'm going to read from the New Living, not the New Living, I normally read from the New Living, I'm using the NIV today. And the story I'm going to take you to in the Word today is um, where Mary anoints Jesus at Bethany. And I've read this story many, many times. And something just kept drawing me back, and so I had to dig in, and this is what I want to share with you, what God's revealed to me today. So, starting at verse 1, it says, Now the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread were only two days away, and the chief priests and the teachers of the law were looking for some sly way to arrest Jesus and kill him. But not during the feast, they said, or the people may riot. While he was in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of a man known as Simon the leper, a woman came with an alabaster jar of very expensive perfume made of pure nard. She broke the jar and poured the perfume on his head. Some of those present were saying indignantly to one another, why this waste of perfume? It could have been sold for more than a year's wages and the money given to the poor. And they rebuked her harshly. Leave her alone, Jesus said. Why are you bothering her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. The poor you will always have with you, and you can help them any time you want, but you will not always have me. She did what she could. She poured perfume on my body beforehand to prepare for my burial. I tell you the truth. Wherever the gospel is preached throughout the world, what she has done will also be told in memory of her. And I'd like to take you to the parallel passage in John chapter 12, verses 1 to 8. And again, I'm reading from the New International Version. This is the same story in John. John 12, verse 1 to 8. Okay, now the timing's slightly different on this one, but it says, Six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honour. Martha served, while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume, She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief. As keeper of the money bag, he used to help himself to what was put into it. Leave her alone, Jesus replied. It was intended that she should save this perfume for the day of my burial. 
You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. So there are key passages for today. And I just want to take you to consider for the moment a couple of bits that jumped out at me when I was reading them. Why was this story to accompany the preaching of the gospel? For me, I was like, you know, I've read the story many times, but I've never really thought about why it's so significant to this preaching of the gospel. And as we're looking at gospel explosion this year, I just really felt to dig in and say, well, you know, God, what is it you want to say to us today about what does it mean to be like Mary? And God just asked me the question. He said, are we willing, like Mary, to waste ourselves at Jesus' feet? Or will we count the cost of a life sacrificed for him? Now, I just want to give you a bit of a context to this passage. There's obviously a few key things that happen here. But um, there was an alabaster jar that was used in the story. And it looked a bit like that. <laughs> Tried Googling alabaster jars, and that's the nearest we could come to. But it was a, long, a flask with a long neck. And it would have a seal in the top. Because basically, the perfume was to be kept inside. It was a very, very expensive perfume. And the seal had to remain on top to secure it. So it was a long neck jar. And the only way you could get the perfume out was to intentionally break the seal of the jar. Um, inside was an aromatic oil made from the root of a plant grown in India. So it was really exotic. It was very expensive. And we hear from, uh, in the John passage that it was worth 300 denario a year's wages. So that was, a, you know, when you think how much money we earn in a year. <laughs> That's a very expensive perfume to have been kept in a safe place. And um, apparently, in some of my research, <laughs> I learned that some of these jars were kept as a, like an investment. So this was effectively Mary's life savings, if you like. This was the thing that she kept aside as something important for an, a special day. This was not something she just happened to have on the shelf. This was something very special. Now, in the two passages we've looked at, Mary does not just take a small amount of oil. In the um, story, she pours the anointing on Jesus, and she chose not to just place a small amount, which was the traditional custom. When people came as a guest into your house, you would anoint them. You might put a dab of oil on them as a welcoming gesture, but Mary chose to break the whole lot for him. She was going extravagant here. She wanted to worship him with all her heart. Um, Mary was the sister of Lazarus and our good friend Martha. Now... (laughs) I just want to draw you into some of the, um, the reasons why I believe God has shown me that Mary's anointing of Jesus is key to our gospel explosion here. And my first point is this. Are we going to linger long enough to listen? Are we going to linger long enough to listen? Mary, when you look at her in all the different Bible passages where she's mentioned, was always at Jesus' feet. She was never rushing around. She was always taking her time, and she was always in the right place. Jesus mentions her a few times. Um, In Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, we find Martha complaining that Mary was not helping her. They were not well off. She would have needed to serve as a traditional role. That was what she was supposed to do. But Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus while Martha was busy rushing about. And Jesus says of her, My dear Martha, to Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There was only one thing worth being considered about, concerned about. Mary has discovered it, and it will not be taken from her. When Lazarus died, um, Mary, I noticed, stayed behind in the house. She didn't rush off to worry about everything. She lingered as she waited for Jesus to come to her, and he called her, and he said, Mary, I'm, I'm here for you. You know, what do you need? And she waited for him. She was not on her own agenda at any time. Her focus in a lot of the stories we read about her was Jesus. She put him first and everything. And all she was worried about was his opinion. 
the audience of one, as David has said before. I love that phrase because it's all about him. And as we heard this morning, it's about Jesus. It's not about who's sitting next to you today. It's not about what you're doing when you go home. It's about him. Absolutely everything is in him. And that's the key part of what I want to say to you today, that what she did was enough. Sitting at his feet, pouring out her perfume, was all that he asked of her at that time. She did what she could. Now, <laughs> I've often read that, and I have to say, I've had to work through this story, because I thought, gosh, you know, I'm a bit of a Martha. I, I'm, if you want me to do something done, I will be the girl. <laughs> I'll get a job done, and I will get on with the task. But I'm not always very good at sitting at the feet of Jesus, and I've had to learn this as a process, and I'm still on that journey, as I think we all are. But we have to choose to do the right thing. And I was listening to Bill Johnson um, last Sunday morning, and he was on UCB, and he said, uh, Mary was sitting at his feet while Martha prepared the sandwiches Jesus hadn't ordered. And I thought, that's really good. <laughs> so, you know, sometimes we can be thinking we're doing the right thing. And if you looked at it from the outside, she was being really helpful. But was she doing the right thing? No. Jesus said Mary had chosen the right thing to sit at the feet of Jesus. And... Uh, in everything we do, it's just to seek to satisfy him alone. Our devotion is to be him, and our question each day should be, have I satisfied him today? Has he been pleased with what I've done? Has, have I done what, everything that he has asked of me today? And uh, there's a quote I've got here from a watchman. I'm reading a fantastic book at the minute called The Normal Christian Life. Highly recommend it if you've not read it. And uh, in that book he says, Jesus' concern is rather with my position at his feet and my anointing of his head what I have as an alabaster box, the most precious thing, my whole life, I give it all up to the Lord. It seems as if it is a waste, but that is what he is after. Are we too busy doing to just sit at his feet and pour out our life as an offering to him, regardless of people and their judgments of us? Do we stop for long enough in our busy lives? We can always be busy. There's always something we could be doing. And uh, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 27, in the New Living, it says... For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles too. And this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. I want to ask you, what if he has a secret treasure that he wants to share with you today? Yeah. The thing is, I was thinking this, you know, sometimes as a parent, you, you love to take your kids on a treasure hunt, don't you? And you're like, I've hidden all these amazing things around the room. I can't wait for them to go and find it. That's how God is. It's not secret because he wants to keep it to himself. It's secret because he's got something and he's waiting for the day when you're going to go, oh, tell me about that treasure, Lord. Show me to one of those treasures. And he takes you to it and he says, go, 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 go. And, you know, as a parent, you stand there and you watch and you wait for them to find it. And there's great joy because you think, yes, they've found something. And I just believe that's how God is with us. He's saying, come and sit with me. I've got another treasure for you today. What do you want? Let me show you something you didn't know yesterday. And that nitty-gritty comes down to it when you have to just sit at the feet of Jesus means sometimes getting up a bit earlier really <laughs> or reading your bible every morning if you haven't done that can I really encourage you to start your day in the word to start your day in prayer and then the biggest challenge and I know for me this is one of the things I've had to learn and I'm still learning is to actually listen sometimes we can pray and we can say oh god I want you to have my day I want you to meet with you know be my lord today take me but do I listen to say so what do you want me to do today what, what treasure have you got for me? And knowing the nature of God, it's not just going to be for me, is it? There's inevitably, whenever you hear the word of God, it's just bizarre, isn't it, how you suddenly have a conversation with somebody. You think, oh, I was reading about that this morning, and that core treasure comes to mind because it was fed on in me this morning. So, and also to write things down. When God has revealed something to you, 
write it down, because when things get tough, as they will do, we know that pure joy because we found it that day, and we can look back and go, oh, yes, I'm going to build my faith because God showed me something last time I had this situation, and he took me through it, and I know he will do it again. So we stand on the faithfulness of God. Um, My second point is, was Mary's act wasteful or was it worship? And the way you answer that will depend on whether you're someone who counts the cost or someone who is extravagant in your love for Jesus. The the verb to waste means to use or expend carelessly, extravagantly or to no purpose, to spend recklessly, to fritter away. But, and that was what those um, other disciples and particularly Judas had criticised Mary for, for doing just that. They said, what a waste. But Jesus was like, no, I don't call that waste, I call that worship. I say that Mary's anointing will always follow my word because she has done the right thing. She, what she has done mirrors what I have done. In pouring out her life to me, she is demonstrating what I will be doing for you. And the preaching of the gospel is about seeing people saved, but it's also as much about us wasting our life on Jesus. And I'm afraid that sometimes is a sacrifice. God calls us to sacrifice our lives, to lay ourselves down. And sometimes that will mean an abandonment of pride. Mary could well have talked herself out of that moment. She could have sat there and listened to the doubts that went, oh, are you sure you want to do this? You're in front of a whole group of people who are really going to wonder what on earth you're on about here. But she didn't give that thought long enough. She said, I know what I need to do. And she got her, her jar and she broke it. And it reminded me as I was studying about another man we know who was extravagant in worship. And I want to take you, please, if you could find in your Bibles, 2 Samuel, chapter 6, verses 12 to 16. So that's 2 Samuel, chapter 6. We're starting from 12, verse 12, to verse 16 for now. I was really excited when I went upstairs at the prayer meeting this morning to see that Hot Rock 3 are learning about King David. Oh, that's great. God's got a word for the whole church here today. In verse 12 it says, Now King David was told, The Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has because of the ark of God. So David went down and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fattened calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. Yes, sorry, and the last bit. (laughs) As the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. And when she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. If you could carry on further down to verse 20. When David returned home to bless his household, Michal, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants, as any vulgar fellow would. David said to Michal, It was before the Lord, who chose me rather than your father or anyone from his house, when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's people Israel. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. But by these slave girls you spoke of, I will be held in honour. And Michal, daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. 
David is the great psalmist. He's the, the man we read who worshipped the Lord with all his heart, despite circumstances, and he went through quite a lot. <laughs> he was a man who worshipped regardless of others' opinions, regardless of uh, what he felt at the time, he worshipped because he knew the Lord was the one that was all that mattered. He was prepared to look ridiculous for the sake of his Lord. He abandoned protocol. You know, you wouldn't expect a king even now to necessarily be seen dancing and parading before the Lord. But he said, the key bit in verse 21, it was before the Lord. That was all that mattered. It was not before the people. He was just overwhelmed with joy before the Lord for what he'd done. And Mary let down her hair. That was not done. You did not let down your hair in public. But she let her hair down, literally. (laughs) And I think sometimes we, we do need to let our hair down. We need to be free in worship. We need to dance and get up on our feet. And regardless of what the person next to you is thinking, let's abandon ourselves to be free, to be, right now I want to get on my knees, or right now I need to dance and wave about. I'm going to be free because that's what Jesus is to me. It's all about him, and he's stirring something in me. In the same passage, in, uh, when we look back at uh, Mark chapter 14, um, there's our good friend Judas hanging around. He heard all the same teaching that Mary had heard. He was there hearing all these amazing things that Jesus had shared. But there was something, there was a hardened heart. There was a cost counting going on. There was a, a stealing, literally, of the purses. But he, he could hear, but he didn't listen. And my challenge to us today is, are we going to listen with our heart? Are we going to... You could come here every Sunday and you can hear the word. And you can go home and it cannot change you if you choose for it not to. Or you can come here, you can spend time in the word in the week, in the presence of God, and you can say, change me, make me more like you. Teach me your truths. I want to sit at your feet till I'm, and I won't leave until you've taught me something about who you are. And it's all about sitting there. But... We have to choose to surrender our heart and our agenda because when we count the costs, I'm afraid, we don't always get the revelation. Wastefulness will, by definition, be extravagant and it may be undignified. And I think sometimes we need to think about what are the things that are most precious to us? What is our alabaster jar? What is our life savings, if you like? And what is the thing we've put on the shelf and we're keeping safe sometime? But is that something that you need to bring before the Lord and say... Everything I have is yours. Everything I am, everything I own, my family. It's easy to put your family first, I know that. But Jesus is the only one. He is the first and must be the first. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, um, Paul writes, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. If we could put up the next slide found a really great quote. It's a bit long. I'll read it to you. It's uh, by Mike Bickle from the International House of Prayer. In our day, the Holy Spirit is emphasizing the anointing that was upon Mary of Bethany, which is the anointing to waste our lives on one thing, extravagant devotion to Jesus Christ. It is the anointing to linger long with an engaged spirit in the presence of the Lord. This is impossible to do with religious self-determination and the power of the flesh, We can't will ourselves to be more resolute and say, I will, I will, I will. The abandonment flows out of a lovesick heart. It's about abandoning ourselves to the love of Jesus. We can't can't muster up anything. Of ourselves, we are nothing. But in him, we can do all things. Would I honestly be extravagant in my worship so that the opinion of others doesn't matter? 
and what is, seemed appropriate does not concern me. Point three is the sweet smell of surrender and sacrifice. In this story, there is a perfume that is at the core of the story. And I want to ask us today, does my life leave the scent of Jesus wherever I go so that it produces a hunger in those I am with to seek him with all their hearts? In Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 to 25, Jesus says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And in Romans 12, verse 1, it is written, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. A surrendered life smells like a sweet perfume. And Mary's perfume, undoubtedly, being as expensive as it was, was going to fill that room. And it says that, doesn't it, in John, that the room was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. When we walk into a room, we carry the fragrance of Jesus. The room is changed by its very nature because we are in it. Because the perfume of Jesus is pouring out of us if we have sacrificed ourselves to him. And I found it interesting as a parallel that, that she anoints Jesus with this beautiful smelling oil and he became that sweet smelling sacrifice for us. Yes. That the sacrifice she poured on him, he was the ultimate one for us. And Ephesians 5 verse 2 it says, And walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. I'd like you to turn to one more passage, please. In uh, 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. That's 2 Corinthians, chapter 2, 14 to 17. Oh. been looking at the right chapter myself, sorry, bear with me. <laughs> okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 to 17. But thanks be to God, who always leads us in triumphal procession in Christ, and through us spreads everywhere the fragrance of the knowledge of him. For we are to God the aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are the smell of death, to the other the fragrance of life. And I'll leave it there. That's gospel explosion, my friend. <laughs> that's, that's how we see the world changed, because we carry the aroma of Christ wherever we go. Jesus wants me as I am. He doesn't want us to try really hard to fulfill a tick list of things to do each day. The Pharisees and the Old Testament law suggested that. That didn't work. Jesus came as a sacrifice because he said, I just want all of you. I came to have right relationship with you. And for some of you today, you need to know that you're good enough. You as you are, are good enough. You don't have to try really hard to be what God wants you to be. All you have to do is be you. And he loves you as you are. As you desire him, he will make you a better person. That will inevitably happen. But right now, as you are, you are good enough. And your sacrificed life will please him. Charles Spurgeon writes, uh, Let us be united with our crucified Lord in his one great object. Let us live and die with him. And then every action of our lives will be very beautiful. And I've got another quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, The allegorical sense of Mary's great action dawned on me the other day. The precious alabaster box, which one must break over the holy feet, is one's heart. 
easier said than done. <laughs> so true. And the contents become perfume only when it is broken. While they are safe inside, they are more like sewage. When we are broken, we smell sweet. Thank the Lord. <laughs> Let's break ourselves. We don't want to smell a sewage. <laughs> but, you know, that alabaster jar is our heart. What you have, your most precious thing is your heart. Your life investment, if you like, is your heart. Where are you going to break it? Are you going to break it for him? And then my final point, point four, there is an overflow to others, that from this there will be an overflow to those around us. On these screens up here, we have these phrases, and one of them struck out at me last week, give like you won't run out. We have a God who gives to us abundantly. Excuse the accent there, that came a bit lesser, didn't it? Um, came abundantly. He, um, he lavishes on us. And when he lavishes his love on us, we will always have enough to give. When you know him yourself, you can make him known. You know who you're introducing someone to. And in Luke chapter 6, verse 38, um, they write it. Give and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. If you give to him like you won't run out, he will give you all that you need. We heard this morning that we need to come to him for all that we need. You won't run out. In fact, you will have more than enough. You will overflow to others around you. Now, (laughs) I was praying yesterday and I've been seeking God about this and God does this to me. He woke me up at two o'clock this morning. (laughs) I was praying and as I went to sleep and I just want to say one thing there. He woke me in the night. While you are sleeping, God can minister to you. He can bring a word to you. You can have a dream that you don't understand and you think, I would not normally dream that. But can I just say to you, he speaks to you while you're asleep. When you're awake, he can be with you. If you're in him, he will minister to you. Sometimes, I honestly think he wakes me up because it's the only time I'm sitting still long enough to listen. (laughs) Because I'm quite a busy bee. But do you know what? If he has to do that, then I used to kind of have a bit of a wrestle with myself. I was like, oh, I should try and go back to sleep. I'll I'll get a hot milk. I'll, I'll stay up a bit. Sometimes that works. But sometimes there's just something in me that's agitated. And I go, do you know what? There's something God's waiting to say to me right now, and I can't go back to bed till I've, I've heard what he's got to say. So I will spend an hour sometimes in the night and get my journal out or listen to worship, and because that's where he catches me. That's what God and I have this relationship to do. Um, and he gave me an illustration. Is Gabrielle here? Can I borrow you, Gabrielle? I need a pair of hands. <laughs> okay. Now, this is a... Because I work with children, I was saying, Lord, I really need something visual. <laughs> and last night... This is what you gave me. Could you just hold this bowl, please? Okay. Just going to have this jug of water. Now, God showed me that we are like this sponge. And he is the living water. Okay. Now, if you are going to tell someone about Jesus, you can stand here and you can say, oh, I know all about this living water. I see it. It's uh, clear. It's probably a bit cold. I don't know because I've not felt it, but it, it looks shiny. Um, but I'm just going to tell you all about him. I know lots about Jesus. I know all the stories. I know I've heard so many things taught to me. But what he wants us to do is get in. Sometimes you might just come on a Sunday and go, oh, I've dipped my toe in a bit. I've got a bit of the presence of God. And wow, that was quite good, actually. But I'm, I'm going to count the cost a bit. I'm not going to get right in because I'm a bit wary about what that will actually mean in my day-to-day life. So I'm going to carry on my week now. I've done my Sunday morning fix I'm going home, I've ticked that box, or I've woken up and I've done my quiet time, I'm going off on my own. But what he wants is this. He wants us to plunge ourselves and stay 
because when you stay in the presence of God, can you hold it up a bit higher? So when you stay in the presence of God, you don't just get filled. It soaks right into your very core. This sponge has water coursing through it right now. The whole part of this sponge is full of water. But when I lift it up, there's an overflow. Because when I go out of here, if I take this sponge around the room, it will drip. There'll be a presence of this water coming wherever it goes. And I just want to encourage you today that if you linger in his presence, if you sit at his feet and you say, what is it you want to show me? Fill me to the very core with who you are. Show me who I am in you. And if we just worship him for who he is, there will be a filling of us that transforms us. This sponge is no longer the dry sponge it was. When I talk to people about Jesus, I know him. He's in me. The very God I'm talking about lives in me. So I know him. I know that he, he loves you because you're lost. I know that he doesn't want you to be sick because he's in me. He's... His essence is part of my body and he's dwelling inside me. And in John chapter 15, it says, If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Our fruit is the people we know who need to be saved. It is the fruit of the Spirit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When the sponge was dry, it could do very little. It wouldn't soak people around it. It wouldn't touch their lives in the same way. But when we're full of him, we are dripping with him. We're overflowing. And can I just say, I think... If you take anything from today, it's this. Will you sit in the water? Will you sit in the living water? Will you sit at his feet? Will you let him be your very person? Will you break yourself? You have to choose to get in, as Richard was saying just now. You have to position yourself. You could stay at the side and be quite all right for a while, but there's something so much more for us if we get in the water, if we would choose to position ourselves, to break ourselves like that alabaster jar, to satisfy him and have him in us. And then gospel explosion will follow because wherever we go, we're him. As I finish today, thank you, Gabrielle. I just believe there's a response that we need to have to what God is saying today. We've had a really clear word this morning in the worship. And I believe God wants to cause us right now to to choose, to decide before you go anywhere today, where will you be? Will you choose to soak yourself in him? Will you choose to place yourself in his very presence at his feet? Will you surrender everything? And I mean everything. Or will you just say, "Mm, that was really good, but not for now. I'll save that for another day. Don't wait. And if you're here today and you've never met that Jesus, you don't know who he he is that we talk of, can I ask you to come and see one of us at the end because we can introduce you to that Jesus because we've sat in his presence and we know who he is and we know what he wants to say to you today. So don't leave here if you've never met him for yourself um, I'm going to ask the worship team if they can come back up because I believe we've got um, a couple of songs and I just I don't want you to rush from here for a minute I want you to take a moment to just make that prayer between you and him no matter what the person next to you does if you need to change your posture can I encourage you to do that whether you want to move out of your seat just to have a moment because it's all about you and him right now it's not about where you're sitting and what you're thinking or what you're digesting just take in what God's been saying and let's just give ourselves to him completely I'm just going to pray Jesus we thank you that everything is about you We thank you that there is nothing of us that needs to work hard, to strive, to do, to please you. All you ask of us is a surrendered, broken heart. You ask of us to sit at your feet, to worship you with all that we are, to surrender everything to you. And I thank you that in that, there will be an overflow of all the provision that we need. There will be the joy that we seek, Lord. There will be the situation solved and lives will be saved because you are in us and you overflow out of us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you.
Thanks for joining us today. There's so much going on at Living Rock Church and we'd love for you to be involved. Search for us online and get information about upcoming events and more great teaching. Visit www.livingrock.church or search for us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. We meet every Sunday at 10.30am in Stony Stanton and 4pm in Tamworth and Market Harbour. Feel free to come and visit us. We'd love to meet you. Thank you.